Welcome to Thinking Deeply by Primary Education, the podcast that gives you a peek inside the minds of some truly inspirational teachers. This week, I'm delighted to welcome the one, the only, Lloyd Williams-Jones back onto the podcast to talk about all things primary education. Since his appearance on the Dadape pilot, Lloyd has gone on to establish himself as a highly effective deputy head teacher. We discuss his journey this year, his approach to leadership, and how his school's implementation of the popular walkthroughs program has gone. I have absolutely no doubt that you're going to love this episode. So without further ado, let's spend some time thinking deeply about primary education. Lloyd, it's great to have you here. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So obviously this isn't your first time on the show. You're a teacher, deputy head teacher, research enthusiast, theme tune composer, regular chat contributor, and guest on the very first episode of Tadabe. Tell us about what you've been up to since you were last interviewed. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm some sort of like legacy guest. Yeah, I was the I was the uh, I was the uh, the, ori- the original uh, starting member of the podcast, which feels quite quite nice to be back. And I tell you what, like what's come after me, I mean, blimey, just was just gone up from there, uh, and now it's take a slight dip back down and back up again from after me. <laughs> so, but. Um, no, it's absolutely, absolute pl- pleasure to be back on as an interview. You know, it's been, um, and I must say, I must add this at the start. I think this podcast has been um, quite revolutionary for quite a lot of people, and that's been that's been seen and shared and felt on Twitter and other platforms. And I do think that, you know, th- there needs to be a credit given to it because, like, um, and that's for all the contributors, you know. And I think that that what they brought to the platform um, and their advice, their um, insight has been superb. I know many, many, many educators have benefited off the back of that. And I think that is, I think you just sometimes need to stop and look back a bit and just go like, you know, and I'll talk about this later with my own career. But I think just with the podcast, I think it's just an added at the start that we just, just at this point, just take a stop and go, wow, look, <laughs> look at some of the content that has been produced, that you've produced, that like has just gone towards developing people and furthering people and making people reflect and get better. I guarantee you, if there was some way of measuring how Tadape could have an impact on schools. It would be fantastic. And I, I can guarantee you it would have an impact. Um, uh, let's keep growing it. Let's keep growing it because it's, I do think it is a, uh, it's a really, it's a special thing. And I, and I think, I think, you know, I think it's, it's worth, it's worth the continued investment in it. So just wanted to add that at the start. So, right. Yeah. What have I been up to? <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, it was, I mean, it was quite a year, wasn't it? I mean, uh, for, for everyone um the, that school year that academic year was uh, insane is the word to describe it insane um and i i've sort of reflected now in some holidays now taking a bit of time to just actually stop and go well hang on 
<laughs> what was that? <laughs> Literally, like, and 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 realized just how much happened in that year. And for me, stepping into the deputy role in a school in an RI school in a pandemic, new to deputy headship, new to an RI school, new to a, to a you know new school, uh, new to a, a school that I you know the new setting. Um, was very challenging, very, very challenging. Times really hard, but also extremely rewarding. And I've, I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it. Um, and we've come a long way. We've come a long way as a school. And I think I've probably come a long way as a practitioner as well. I've learned a lot the hard way as well. You know, I'll get into, into that later a bit probably, but like, it's, it's not easy. And I've, it's been a steep learning curve for me this year in terms of one of the biggest things is, you know, I would say has been people, like managing people, how to manage teams and stuff like that, and how to, how to really genuinely on the ground enact change. And that for me has been the biggest, like, wowzers. I, you know, I've been in a leadership position before, but this is this time, I've, the reins have been given to me and I... Uh, yeah like I said I've learned an awful lot so yeah that you know that's kind of where we're at so lots of lots of forward movement with school submitted a few proposals to our research ed talks that are coming up that's, that's quite nice done a few bits few bits with you guys on on Tadapa, which is nice and yeah and just sort of um and there's an element of survival as well it's been a bit of survival, about survival as well through this year like I'm sure other teachers will reflect and 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 sort of um agree with me on that <laughs> it has been a bit you know just Get, get the year done but um yeah no I, I mean a year on it's about a year on from when we recorded probably about 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 that i would i would say yeah i think we we recorded that first episode in october yeah and you know i wasn't expecting those kind words at the start and i think none of that none of what we've done has been would have been possible had when i messaged you you know at the start of the, the academic year and said you know i think there's there's some scope for a primary focus podcast and you sort of said yeah let's go for it and then from there, the rest of the, you know, regular contributors got involved and, you know, the, the, the things just sort of propelled itself from there. You know, I, I can I could see a massive difference in the Lloyd who applied for the deputy headship and the Lloyd not, you know, just, just in conversations with people, you know, the, you've, you've almost like grown into your skin because we always knew you had the technical skills, we, you had the knowledge, you know, but this year really put it into into practice you know i think you know you can see you've just you've just blossomed in, in the role and so i'm really looking forward to talking to you about uh, about all the things you've managed to achieve this year you know i think a good place to start is you know you're you're making seismic shifts in the way your school approaches curriculum and teaching and learning what does the roadmap look like and how is it going now that you're an academic year into your sort of project thank you yeah no it's um School improvement is is a it's tough. It's really tough. Like when you know when you when you when you boil it down, it's not it's nuanced, it's complicated, but it's simple at the same time. It's that sounds ridiculous and, and contradictory. There and I'll talk later about some of you know those key simple elements that focus on. It gets more muddy and and, and difficult when you start drilling down into it. And you start to unpick some of the more human elements, I guess, of of school improvement. I think that's where it. That's the bit. The bits for me that I found quite. May, that made me think a lot 
and maybe reflect a lot. But no, it, we've yeah, we've we've made some massive massive shifts this year with with our school and what we've what we've done. And, and it's and I sat down, I sat down at the start of the year with my head Lucy, who is is wonderful. She's absolutely wonderful, and I must I, I must give her full credit because find a head supports you like I, like Lucy does because genuinely I I, I landed on my feet um, coming into a school where I have an experienced she's an experienced head teacher she has been at an executive level in a mat and has come back and sort of decided to come back to really craft as a head again and just got a wealth of experience teaching in London many many years and she saw something in me and she knew straight away and said I she the biggest thing is the trust she goes I, you you know you know your stuff she's like you, I, and I trust you to make the right decisions or to, to to lead us down the right paths because you're reflective that's what she said you know and because I'm not going to go there on you know just just on on a, on a whim I'm going to go there on what the the best sort of I say the best good reading suggests and and good conversation with much smarter people than I and I'll go down that route and then we'll reflect all the time reflect all the time reflect all the time and talk and talk to start up and it's that constant process but she's allowed me to to do that and that for me has been that I think like you said that's that's allowed me to grow into my skin that that is exactly how that's happened through her I must credit her for that so it's that is that's an enormous factor as a, as a deputy head uh, and and, and uh, I, I'll again probably talk later on about you know the principles of, of being a deputy head or if you're new to deputy headship or whatever uh, that's a big one you know like, and I think that support has been enormous so when I when we sat down at the beginning of the year you know I said look this is a big task you know I came in and I looked at our curriculum I was like right we I, you know I obviously wanted to make changes I looked at it and thought you know I'm not saying what was there was bad it was just I know it could be better and I know what we could do. We could craft something and build something for curriculum and the, and the whole vision of curriculum teacher learning in school. But that stuff takes time. That stuff is not, like you say, it wasn't built in a day. And that's hard wrestling that stuff. So like you said, a road, the roadmap is key to have a direction and have a like strategic plan and drive to what you want to do is very important. Now, so I sat down and I created a strategic curriculum development plan. And I said, right, how do I do this? And I sat down and I remember thrashing this out Lucy and going, right, how, how do we do this? How do we do that? How's the best way to approach this? What I didn't want was things that were held by arbitrary timeframes. I didn't want to be sat there. And I, when I drafted the plan out, I spent a couple of days in my office just thrashing it out, uh, you know, laying down, right, where do we start here? We start with humanities, right? We start geography, history, and we're going to build something. And I, and I, you know, I had the whole crazy post-its on the wall and uh, the string. And you know, I'm like in the office, like you know, it was, it was every, yeah, it was every, it was just like Lucy's coming in, going, "Are you all right, Mac?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." So we talk, we flash around. She, and then she gets sucked in and being with me for an hour, and we go, you know, it was this kind of process. It was, it was, it was, it was messy to begin with, and it needed we needed to wade through to, to go right. Hang on, what you know, what is priority? Because like Chris such as before, if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority, right? So what is a priority? That's it. What are priorities, right? How do we order these priorities? First is the ordering of priorities. Then it's about, right, what I decided and we decided as a school was to, to, to organise it into phases, phases of development, right? 
Now that, and this is where I go, I'll go back to the point I made about to arbitrary time stamps. For me, the old like milestones kind of like approach, I, I just don't, I know there is, there's always time pressures in schools, right? Everybody wants everything done yesterday in schools. Everybody, the government wanted done yesterday. Every, the local authority wanted done yesterday, whatever. The, 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 your your math wanted done yesterday. Everybody wants it done yesterday. It can't be done yesterday, right? So it has to be done today and tomorrow, right? So we have to be like, right, how do we organize this strategic thinking so that we make our way through it in a phased way that is not determined by time, silly time pointers that you go, well, end of term two, review, fill in the word document. What is it? That is not, I, I just don't believe in that stuff. I think it's a load of nonsense. And I think like what that does, it drives like silly practices and you end up with contrived uh, results. You end up in the position where schools are saying they've done things and they haven't really done things and things have been implemented, but they haven't been implemented when you talk to the teachers and they go, well, yeah, we're doing it, but it's just it's not really working. And we're just saying we're doing it because local authority SIP comes along and goes, Oh, well done, ticking the box. You know, and it's that's not what school improvement is. That's that's just not that's not it, right? And it's more nuanced than that, it's more fluid, it's more dynamic and responsive than that. And that is the model we need to think about. And I think I think Harry Fletcher Wood wrote a fantastic blog about this, about I can't remember he called it iterative responsiveness. In I, I, I apologize because uh, I'll have to look at maybe we can find it put it in the show notes. But it's a fantastic blog about school improvement and about that iterative, responsive, reflective process of doing it. And that's kind of what I channel when I when I come to looking at how we how we move through it and how I created that strategic plan. So we split it into three phases. Um, so phase one was very much the kind of uh, it, it ended up being humanities, history, geography, and science. They were the three kind of first places to start because we wanted to build our curriculum out from there as, at the core of your uh, wider curriculum. Now, I'm not talking about maths and English at the moment. I'm just talking about the kind of wider self-foundations. We, we started there, and then phase two grows uh, into uh, your sort of your RE, um and your you we look then at uh, dt pshe so so we you see what I mean? so we start to grow and then phase phase three then uh on to, to the other subjects like p uh, pe and so on and so on so we've kind of carefully mapped this out in a way that like what is strategic like what do we need to look at first that will build us a core of curriculum strength that can come out and then in time this will happen right so what, like I said, what I didn't do is phase one finishes in April and is reviewed. That's not how this works. This is just a constant document. It's a dynamic document that I come back to and I revisit all the time. I have it actually on the wall in my office, just in front of me on a massive board. And I'm constantly looking at it every day. I know I can see and I'll put the phases up and I work and I'm looking at where we are in the phase. So it's quite, it's, a, it's there all the time. Basically, what what is really important is that and again like I think this is this is worth saying is that it's not okay phase one has ended now we're on to phase two there's obviously overlap between phase one and phase two which is exactly where we are now we are finishing up phase one and we're moving into phase two because curriculum is never done is it curriculum is iterative you know at curriculum is a dialogue you know it, it's never finished so we must keep that in mind at all times so 
and we've drawn on the work of Neil has come in and worked with us and Victoria. They've both been in to help us shape our geography and our history sequencing and work on that. Obviously, we're, we're a, um, a local authority school, so we have, you know, we, we, we don't have the, uh, the luxury afforded to academies, but we do have the ability to order things and take advice from experts like Neil and Victoria and, and go, right, do you know what, actually, this is, this is going to really help us kind of make this coherent, a coherence in the curriculum, make it, uh, make the progression model the curriculum. You know, like, so that when, when I have those discussions with the big O come September, which fingers crossed they're going to come, because <laughs> that's the thing, it's like, we're just, you know, we're waiting and waiting and waiting for them to come. And I am more than happy for them to come. Like, um, come on down, because I'd love, I'd love to chat. I'm quite looking forward to chatting through with an inspector and going, do you know what? What, what are we saying on this? You know, because this is where we're at. This is what we are intending to do. This is what we've done so far. Uh, this is our strategic plan and where we're going. And not, and again, I'll say to them, like, we're not, I'm not giving them, I'm not putting time frames on this. And Lucy and I talked this through and gone, right, well, actually, do you know what? It is so important that we check in all the time. We check in all the time and we talk all the time about it, but we don't limit it or constrain it by the by that arbitrary nature. So it's knowing when, and this is one thing again this year I've learned, is like, it's knowing when to go off the shelf as a stopgap. And when to go, that, and that's fine. It's absolutely fine to go off the shelf. Do you know what I mean? There's no problem. Like what I'm suggesting is like, I'm not suggesting every school goes out and from the ground up writes the curriculum because it's feasibly in a state school. Uh, if you're a single state school, like, you know, and support to write your own curriculum is, is bonkers. Like, you know, it is like, guys, and it, the tart, the enormity of that task is just is beyond. Like um, if you're afforded the luxury of having some, you know, a team or, or, or the resource to do it great it is fantastic because anything that you do get off the shelf you must make that reflect your school your context and more importantly your community uh, we have a very large gypsy romani traveler community in our school and it's very important that um i can't remember it was, it was mary meyer re refers to the uh, the the windows and mirrors isn't it i think she i can't i can't remember if she's quoting someone else on that but that your curriculum being a window and a mirror, that your children see themselves back in the curriculum, but they also have opportunities to look out and see and get in that enrichment from further opportunities. And it's very, very important for us as being, and a big thing, particularly we have 17% Gypsy Romani Traveller community. So it's quite, we're, we're over national. Curriculum does that, that, it, that, you know, the children come in and feel their representation of Rome, you know, Gypsy Romani Traveller heritage in it. That they, when they see representations of travel, for example, that they see, uh, you know, in early units, like transport units in year one or whatever, that we looked at designing, the Avado's in there, you know, like a Vardo wagon is in there. I've had to do a lot of reading and, and researching and talking to the community to learn and understand and get further into that culture to make sure that I may, I can enact those changes in our curriculum to be reflective of that community. You know, so like we work, we've worked with specialists um, from the local authority on Gypsy Romney Traveller community uh, heritage, and we weaved through where it makes sense. Again, this goes back to this, not tenuous links, where the links are perfectly lined up, like transport is a perfect one, right? Where it, where it is, like not forcing in, because that's the other thing, you, they, we don't want a contrived curriculum where children, you know, feel like, well, why is this, this, you know, 
what are we talking about this for? The ancient Greeks and the Egyptian Roman Church. Yeah, there's, there's no clear link or whatever. So we worked really, really hard to, to, to kind of thread through baking where it's appropriate at the appropriate moments, that representation and that, um, that, that their history um, and, and their heritage. So it's things like that, you know, that you can't, you're not going to get that off the shelf. You're not going to get that off the shelf. You're not going to go and get that from, you know, from the Reach Academy materials, which are fantastic materials. But you're not, you're not going to get that. So it's important that schools, if you do that, but that's not to say that you, you, you shouldn't take those materials. You <laughs> know, like the fantastic materials. There are a, a range of fantastic materials are, are available that you can, you can go and do and get. And if you're in a position of school improvement where you need to make changes quite quickly because things are in a very challenging position, then that is probably a likely a good option, right? And you pull those levers. So we we decided not to do that. We've done like our phased strategic approach because I guess my knowledge and my sort of experience is able to come into the role and drive that and be able to have access to the Tadape team <laughs> and access to Twitter and access to reading and things, things that potentially maybe other leads uh, might not have access to, which has allowed me. And I, and I, and I, 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 I'm not taking credit for this. This is, I'm, what I'm going to do is pass the credit to the people who develop these ideas and have these conversations with me and who come in and work with me, with us. And they are the people that help really drive our school improvement because they're the things, they're the people who come in and offer us that, those in, that insight and that knowledge and that, you know, and then we're able to, um, we're able to act on it and, and move it forward. But it's, yeah, I, it, that, that's kind of where we're at. With, so we're into end of phase one, in, moving into phase two, we've managed to hit a lot of phase one criteria that we set out in terms of substantive knowledge um looking at mapping and coherence and we, you know we set all that out and just getting all that stuff across the teachers for a year just with history and geography just that you know starting there talking about first and second order concepts and really starting to go do you know what actually this is what this is about this is what are these these subjects these domains are about and it's been an it was an eye opener for our staff. I think you know probably is for, would be for a lot of a, a lot of schools you know uh, in our area. I would imagine right. If I'm speaking on just speaking locally about the, the the sort of context in Kent that those sorts of things were like what you know like you know some some of these terms, some of the terminology, some of the what's been quite nice has been it's been reflected in quite a lot of the Ofsted subject reports that have come out, particularly the history, geography, and science. All the messages and all the things that we i talked to teachers about i scared the living daylight out of them within september last september by just sort of mentioning casually some of these words and they're going what like has all come up in these reports and then you know they're talking about these concepts these these ideas these things that are pertinent to curriculum and you know uh, effective curriculums and we're now okay with our teachers with that. You know, they, we talk about first and second order substantive knowledge. We talk about those things, you know, we, uh, we talk about the hinterland. We talk about, you know, they, 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 these, are, these are things that will be a come up in conversation in our, in our staff meetings and things like that, which is for me really gives me like a warm glow because like when I sort of came in and it, there was nothing and now we have discussion around it and we, yeah, this, yeah, it's just fantastic. And I mean, like, 
outside the wider curriculum, we've also the, the sort of that strategic planning. We obviously have still been developing our maths and English, you know, the core. You know, we obviously still been working. We've worked with yourself uh, as a specialist with the hubs, and um, of course, we um, we've developed our reading. Uh, so that's been uh, quite a seismic shift as well in terms of again, that wasn't necessarily in our strategic roadmap. That was a sort of set. It's that kind of sat separately, and have worked with Chris uh, to to sort of implement the the strategies and ideas in his book. Um, we've been rolling that out since well, back in March, just after March, April time. We started our journey, our phased approach, and I, I think it's worth adding now as well. Chris's book is absolutely stunning, and I've said this in tweets before, and I'll say it again, and I, I don't need to say it. I mean, fifteen thousand images on on everybody's timeline of the book front cover says it says everything you need to know about how how important that book is, really. And I and I said it, and I knew it back when I read the draft back in when it was in November time, whatever, I thought, whoa, this is, uh, this is like super important. And I knew I'd like to get that out to our schools, uh, to my school, sorry, as, as soon as I could, because I realised how much of it we weren't doing and how much of it wasn't like in practice. And it's such a core, you're a reader before you're anything. And I think that was like, right, let, let's go. So um, working with Chris closely, very, very generously of him, he supported us with our, implementation of uh uh of the approach and we're yeah we're coming into now september full implementation having spent several months iterating refining and we're still not done we're still not done but we are we're we're going to be coming in to september with close reads extended reads fluency reads all our teachers know and have seen all those sessions modeled have practiced all those sessions fed back all of a with with fluency checks and yeah it's just it's it's so that's that's massive and yeah there's been some huge um some huge implementation we we put insight in as a, as a system i mean was, you know and for those of you that haven't used insight as a tracking system it is absolutely sublime like in terms of the flexibility of the system what it can track what it can tell you what signals it can give you as a school to to understand the context understand what's going on at a more macro level uh it's it's kind of there's not a product that I've experienced in my teaching career that has come close to doing what it can do uh, in terms of its flexibility. So we, we put that in for our teachers and it generate and we've done all our school reports through that system, which generates everything, cut load of work, load down. So yeah, so whole reading scheme, we shifted all our writing, we put insight in, we've yeah, done massive development on wider curriculum with uh with our strategic curriculum development plan um and we but we still have that kind of strategic approach with our overall wider stuff whilst giving a continued focus to our english and maths on you know as the because we're working with the leaders and empowering those middle leaders to own their subjects as well it's not there's another thing i've really really realized is distributed leadership is absolutely vital and that you grow leaders and you make sure that they feel fully supported they have access to what the knowledge that I have access to, I want to give them that uh, in a way that doesn't overburden them in the way that supports them and makes them feel kind of like gives them that, the, those boosters that they need to, to keep powering forward with their subject. And um, so that's been interesting working. And I, again, I've learned a, a tremendous amount from Lucy on distributed leadership and how, and I can quite honestly say I've never worked in a school that has had such strong distributed leadership as the one I'm in now. 
we're genuine every this say you know the saying everyone's a leader and all that I, I genuinely feel that in in my school at the minute like there is a very open dialogic approach to school improvement we sit around the table there's no surprises we have we have large SLT meetings we get around the table with all our leaders it's not just you know me and Lucy go in a room and make some decisions at all we sit around and we talk things through and we have and generally we thrash things out and we, we you know we really really go away and say well that's that's over to you now go and yeah you go and so what are you going to do what are you you know putting in the power back into the leaders and then when they sort of if they, they come and stack or then we support and we go right okay so what do we because if you don't give people that space that autonomy to be able to go i own this subject and i'm going to drive it i could very easily be like oh i need all the reins and i you do this and you do this and and, and part of me two things would happen one my teachers would become and my leaders would become less empowered two i probably end up losing the plot because i don't have the capacity being an operational deputy ed teacher to do all of that i still teach i still man you know have to do all the things deputy heads do manage behavior managing all that all the cover everything else that goes with the role and i know i drop i'd start smashing plates so that's why that distributed leadership structure is vital really for a really sort of effective school been a been a mad year but we've uh, you know our curriculum learning and uh, teaching learning has come a long way even even just a year we've, we've made some some huge ground yeah what a year you know so much coming through there i think a lot of parallels with you know recent chat with garth rain he was saying how he had mapped out the journey he wanted his school to go on to you know st peter's he took over in what march april time and actually the staff showed themselves that actually they were ready and engaged enough to sort of progress through quite quickly so I, you know if he uh, had teacher with 10 years experience 20 years as a teacher you know is, is come to the same conclusions and working in the same way you know that, that can be no bad thing one thing that really interests me is the um, distributed leadership what does support look like for the middle leader who isn't necessarily an expert in their subject you know because we can't all have dt experts in our schools you know what, what does your support look like on the ground for those those middle leaders great question important question and for me comes down to the your biggest currency for developing your middle leaders properly is time is time that's your biggest currency because if you have to carve out time for them you have to do it we cannot we simply cannot in, in, in the modern age of teaching expect people as middle leaders to just grow on their own in their spare time. The teaching is the, it's mental busy. Like the workload of a teacher is just it's bonkers. One afternoon a term or whatever, if you're the lead of uh, DT or whatever, then are you going to genuinely improve as a, as a middle leader there? Is that going to help you? So there's a couple of things that need to happen really to support middle leaders properly. Time is the first thing. We build into our curriculum, uh, into our into our weekly timetable, a cover slot, a curriculum cover slot, whereby it's a responsive model, where every week, depending on the needs and depending on the, the phase and the, and the strategy uh, and where we are with the plan, they have time to work with me, one to one on their on curriculum, and on their leadership and on 
their learning plans and their, their vision and, and how they want to implement and, and all these sorts of things. We work together to look and, you know, it may be, um, and it could be a case of like, for example, this year, I was with my, my humanities lead. My humanities lead took a lot, a lot of those slots this year because that was, that was what was needed. That's not to say that the other leaders just didn't have nothing and, and, you know, they still had release time on top of that. They still had a regular release. But on top of the regular termly release that we, that we distribute, we have an extra curriculum afternoon slot, which then goes to really getting down into the detail with those middle leaders. And I've worked with all of them. I worked with all of them this year. Different proportions because I've given the plans. But they've all been given time reading. Sometimes I will work with them. Sometimes we'll sit together and we'll work on document or we'll work together strategically for the afternoon. Sometimes I go, do you know what? There's a fantastic uh, video on Myat and Co. Uh, about implementation or about you know, middle leadership go and watch that for me and then come back we'll talk at the end of the afternoon um, and you know and, and it's these sorts of things and we look at them what what leverages we can get from that how what you know and or I say can you have a look here's some sources let's go and can you go and have a little look and research a little bit about that do some reading giving them that time to do it right if you don't give them the time to do it a busy middle leader in a, in a, you know, uh, leading a subject whilst running a class, whilst managing a, fam a family at home. And they, they, you know, when are they finding that time to grow? And again, the other thing I think that is important to that leadership is the appraisal process, is, uh, is making sure that fits in to the appraisal process. And the appraisal process is done properly. It's not done in a way which we, we know, well, I know certainly it can be done and has been done. Uh, in in over my my career so yeah i think it's about like you say the main for me the main takeaway will be time and will be time because in that time comes the investment comes the support and then it may be a case you know even in those times that we walk out together as a as a as a, as a, as a subject leader and a deputy and we go and we and we do a we talk to children and we look and we you know and we get a picture of what's going on and we and we start to think about what our teachers need further for support so I think that that is is vital. Building a flexible, if you can, a flexible time that, that is a responsive, flexible curriculum slot for the week, um, or something along those lines. And whilst also maintaining a regular release slot, front loading where you need to, depending on the where the subject is and where your context is as a school and what's going on. I think that's for me has been a like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying it's perfect by any stretch, and I'm sure there's many different sort of other ways you could do it, but that's what we do and what I found. I've not seen that before, and I have found it extremely important in terms of what we've been able to do this year. That has been a massive, massive lever for us. So, What really comes across there is how much you've invested in their development. Your principles are really clear. I would find it very difficult to imagine they won't improve and become really competent subject leaders, you know, with that kind of investment, you know, of time, refined, sort of focused approach to what is important, how does this fit in with what, how we want you to develop as a leader, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it sounds like you're doing absolutely fantastic stuff. So you've done a lot of work to put systems in place to support your teachers in their professional development. What opportunities have they had? And what is your approach to professional learning? Right, yeah. So, like again, I, I sort of touched there on as your previous question about developing middle leaders, um, but developing all all staff. Like I said, that um, 
important that distributed leadership is, is so important to us in our context and we really champion and value it so there's, there's two 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 elements is it you one percent right you know like uh, chris molly talks about your one percent improving only one percent all of a sudden everything adds up from the smallest things where for example every every briefing on a friday morning i share a little snippet a little technique or like a little nugget from something that they can go wow that's yeah that's really nice like you know I think it might be Victoria with the just list of things to just just practice quickly for retrieval, things like that. You know, you share a small technique that you know is going to, if teachers are doing that, that's brilliant, right? And you, or another fantastic little technique, you know, the brain and the pen. Chris, I know Chris has talked about this from before, where I think he has, I don't know. <laughs> if he hasn't, then full credit to him because it's, it's, it's where, I, where I pinch that idea, where I pinch all my ideas from. I, I never come up with them, but. Um, yeah, one idea of a child being the brain and thinker and explaining to the pen and the pen just focuses on the writing. Again, managing that cognitive load, helping children to explain and self-explain and then swapping over. You know, that's a lovely thing. Share that with them. It's easy to do. And this is something that became apparent to me is I was, I was sharing different techniques and bits and pieces. Some come from the walkthroughs as well. You know, little little bits as well that we feed in that feeds into, and I'll talk a little bit more of that in a second about our wider appraisal process. But what what became apparent was, like anything, rather than motoring continuing to find new techniques all the time, I thought, well, hang on a minute, it sounds crude, but I just like created a little list of these techniques, and then I I circle through them, drip, 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 and every, and then what what I was seeing is starting to take things, starting to take more with that constant little and often teachers going oh yeah that's really good on a friday morning everyone's at the end of the week they think you know in a good mood on the briefing you know and it, it the, that time to do it not the not a monday morning briefing where people are a bit swamped and you know it's that friday morning oh yeah okay i might do that next week little things like that like little one percent there little one percent there you know put a cpd book library in the in the staff room and again those books are only as good as the, the amount of people that people read them right but again just having them there and being like oh and and, and modeling that so I model it all the time. I'm like, oh, let me just go. I tell you what, it's a fantastic bit in motivated teaching by perhaps I'm just going to go come to this. There's a bat. Look, see this bit here. Take it. Go on out. And then and I and I give them out several bucks doing that. Just going like, oh, I tell you what, it's a, a you know, it's a fantastic, uh, it's a fantastic uh, game in Shannon's book there that I know will. Let's go and I'm going to find it, link to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good, isn't it? That's got all. That's all linked to the national. Crypt. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. Do you want to have it? Do you, you know, borrow it. Go and take it. Up with you. That's what you're here for. That's what you know. And we're growing that library. So I do. I would like to eventually go down a different model with that. Not a different model, but a, a more structured model. I know Andrew Percival has a, a professional reading setup, which I talked to him about, and it's it's amazing. I mean, it, like they dedicate to the whole staff sessions to it and they get to pick a book and i think empowering people to do that and that reading culture that professional development is, is it's just amazing so i'd like again i'm pinching i will pinch wherever i can the expertise of people better than i right like literally that's what for me good leadership is about that right is go and pinch other things that that are backed up by good research and backed up by you know like good results on the ground and go do you know what let's try that in our context it might not work it might not work but you you know it's better than trying nothing isn't it if you, you do the same and nothing changes so like that's what that's what i do so that another one percent little strategy like that that i've made sure that i've done every year like when when talking with things like that 
And I get so they were like our little one percenters, and, and I'm trying to think of another example, so I can't off the top of my head, sort of think about. But there, but there are other things like that where I try and do lots of little things, little conversations about things, and sending around a little link to something, or you know, having conversations. And oh, there's a brilliant podcast on that. Even and I guess I'm fortunate that I consume so much educational reading and podcasts, and that I'm able to be a gateway a bit for them to access some of this stuff um and that's for me is like as a gatekeeper is an important job to bring where i can that to, to, to busy time poor busy teachers so that's why that's the one percent that's kind of the the other main sort of lever for our professional learning is our appraisal process which has been a big shift this year big 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 we took the more Chris Moyes' model of growing great teachers from his blogs, fantastic blogs, again, probably link those in the show notes. He developed a really smart, really grounded kind of appraisal process, which it taps into a lot of coaching elements and a lot of things around, uh, you can see influences from Jim Knight's work. You can see, so, you know, there's lots of different bits and pieces in there, which you can tell that he's very much read around that uh, and, and developed it with that in mind. So, what I sat down, and Lucy and I sat down at the start last year, instructional coaching is obviously to- a hot topic right now. And it, you know, is proven to be a, a very powerful way of improving. We sat down and we said, right, how do we make the appraisal process, first of all, something that teachers engage with, properly engage with? Because like, let's, let's come on now, let's call a spade a spade here. We've sat in that bloody meeting at the end of the year with your Word document and gone, have you met this target that we set in in, uh, October, which was to improve this and to do this? And and it's just a nonsense. And and, and I say this anecdotally, of course, and I'm not speaking for every school because I'm sure there's many schools that do this tremendously well. However, my experience and from what I know from my local context and, you know, is that often the appraisal process is either too much, too bitty and silly and not meaningful, or it's just broad nonsense. And you end up going, right, yeah, we'll fill this form in because we have to fill this form in because, oh, it's appraisals again, isn't it? Oh, it's, oh we got to get them done, and we, you know. Well, if you don't, if you look at them like that, they're not going to mean anything. They're going to be a box tick. So what, that is one thing. Lucy and I were like, this can't be a box stick anymore. We just can't, this is ridiculous. And that's what Chris Moyes is all about as well. You know, it's about getting away from that. Like, so we really have worked to, I, I sort of, I fused together. And it's not perfect by any stretch. It's still, again, it's very much iterative. But we've fused together walkthroughs and Chris Moyes' growing great teachers to produce something which teachers reflect on the teaching standards and they reflect and I might even be looking to change that again now with the new ECT, uh, the, sorry, the ECF, look at some of that stuff, because do you know what, that's, a, that's gold, that is. And looking at maybe us self-assessing and reflecting and coming to that appraisal start with having done a reflection of that and going, what is it in my teaching that I need to improve? 
uh, or I want to improve as well, that I've identified and they rate themselves out of 10 in terms of where they think they are now, where they think they could be. And then we go through this whole process and we talk and we pull out and, and they, it's, it's a lot of investment. We spend, we spend, with all our staff, we spend over an hour with them. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot from the resource and the capacity of leadership, but it's legwork is worth doing because it, two things happen. One, we end up drilling down to a really refined goal, like a goal which could be as specific as I want to work on my ability to scaffold effectively for some of the, some of the, for the children in my class who are uh, potentially weaker with their writing structures. And I'm going to do this by focusing on a tiered question approach. Or I, I, I've got to stop my head there completely. But that's, we're talking, that's the target. And that's it. That's the target for the year. That's it. There's no like 70% of combined in the class. Of course, we talk, we will talk about data in an end year appraisal. We can't, you can't not talk about data. We still have discussions about data. And it's not all resting on the data. The main thing for us is about making growing great teachers, is making teachers better. We are an improving, not proving school. And we are like, right, how do we make our teachers better? How do you, how do you want to get better as a teacher? And by spending that time investing in, 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 in and it, it takes, it's like, it's, it's like it's a coaching session. That's what it is, right? And we, we get right to the heart of like what they think they, they need to support with. And it's that balance of us as experienced leaders guiding that a bit as well, knowing the context of them as a teacher and helping them steer them a little bit, particularly when they're more novice and when they're earlier in their career. With more experienced teachers, they tend to be able to drive it more. And then we just very lightly guide the conversation down towards where we think it would help. And we stand, then we hone in and using um, the clusters uh, in walkthroughs, um, we develop a, like a goal plan. And what I end up having is the, I have a one sheet, an A3 one sheet for all my teaching staff with their CPD goal their goal for the year. So I can look on one sheet of paper in my office. You know, it's, it's hidden. Obviously, nobody goes in and looks at them all. Oh, so However, saying that, what interestingly, one thing we, we started to discuss and develop, we didn't because the lockdown threw us all out this year. It, it, it kind of blew the process, which is really annoying. But where we have teachers working on, so you can see everybody's individual autonomy, their goals, their thing, their improvement, they've developed it, empowered them they have these clusters to support from the walkthroughs and we help them and use and access them. The next thing for us is to, to, to start an actual coaching model next year where, where teachers are supporting each other to develop that. And what we would do then is look potentially at grouping where we have themes. So looking at the, we, we are overall, Bob is here with his target here. Janet's here with her target here, and they're similar, actually. They're, they're working both on scaffolding, slightly different subjects or a slightly nuanced difference in their goals, but they're both on scaffolding. So let's put them together in a, in a, in a group, in a, in a strategic group, and then they meet and they work together. So it's this kind of thinking around appraisal, which I've never been in an organisation that does it like that or does it or has that amount of time where it actually genuinely, you get to the end of the year, and you are better at what you do because of it. 
surely that's it, right? Surely that's why we do appraisal, to get better at things, right? So, and I'd never come out of, a, of an appraisal before with my arbitrary targets and gone, oh, yeah, yeah, I feel I've improved in that this year. Yeah, come on. like, like and, and, and I know there'll be, uh, hopefully there'll be many people sitting along, or, or the two people that are listening, <laughs> just sitting, sitting along going, yeah, yeah, that was me, that was me. You know, and, 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 and for me, that, that, and I'm happy that I've done this. I think I've shared it before. I'll, again, into the show notes, no problem at all. Um, those documents that I kind of amended, if you are walkthroughs, school, you access more walkthroughs. I put those together um, and merged them to, to fit into something that you could take amend and take it further and, and, and iterate it and make it your context. But we found it really rewarding. It should, we found it really frustrating that we weren't able to carry it all the way through properly because of the lockdown. We're excited about being able to roll that next year. But yeah, that for us, because what that does as well, going back to the, the question, professional learning, that enables professional learning because it's not then just, oh yeah, well, here's the target. It's like, okay, here's a goal, a really like refined goal. Here's some support materials that are going to really help you. Here's a support system of coaching that's going to help you practice and give deliberate practice to get better at it and to learn professionally how to be better at what you do. It's it's those focused teaching assignments that uh, Alan and Sims talk about in the teacher gap, isn't it? You know, how do we actually make people better teachers? And you know, the way you explained that so clearly, it should be really straightforward. How have we not managed to come to the point where we can do this consistently for all the people who want to be effective teachers, you know? So, I, you know, you're joking about to the number of people listening. I think every school leader should be listening to you talk about this because it makes so much sense on so many levels. And you've explained it so clearly that, you know, I think any inexperienced school leaders or anyone who's thinking about their, for instance, their approach to appraisal will have a lot to learn because you can see in the time, you know, from episode one where you had these plans to this episode and you're talking about what impact that's had and how that's refined over time. I think it'd be immensely useful. When you look at the teacher standards and you think there are about 16 different small steps before you can meet this one target, you know, why is this one sentence? It, it feels like, we're, we're moving towards that as a, as a system. So fingers crossed, you know, but I think if anyone wants to see this in action, you know, I think they should be jumping into your direct messages on the, on Twitter to get some visits to Staplehurst once visits are back on the cards. Oh, absolutely. More the merrier, more the merrier. So I think that actually leads really nicely onto the next one. What have you learned about the implementation of walkthroughs this year? Because that was a big focus when we first chatted, wasn't it? Yeah, so obviously I, I, you can see some of that, some of that implementation there coming into our appraisal process, but it's not just that, you know, it, it, it's been written into our policy. Walkthroughs is now in our policy, our teaching and learning policy. It's what we refer to as a, as a, um, as our, our underlying principles for instruction and, you know, and how we, uh, how we communicate, how we have a shared dialogue in our school. Caveat, it is not domain specific. And I think that is the thing I've learned this year, right? Biggest thing we've learned with it. So, for example, questioning in history isn't necessarily going to look exactly the same as questioning in science and maths. You, know, you must be careful applying blanket pedagogy to domain specific specificity. And I, and I think that's been a bit of a learning curve. And I do think 
there's more work to be done there and I, and I think people need to be very mindful and wary of and I know it's been talked about you know the death by Rosenshine checklist curriculum right we don't want that we want smart reflective practitioners who are able to engage with materials and go do you know what actually spe specifically for science here I need to think about x y and z because that is dictated by the subject discipline and by what is needed from for example the second order concepts and I, I don't answer yet I don't answer um, about how that fits that's much something I'm thinking about the minute and I'm just spending the summer sort of thinking about about how we will find that I know all through the number two's come out and it uh, again a superb piece of work we haven't got that yet and we're not gonna we're not going there yet because again I'm not rushing and I would urge people to just not just i'm not saying don't buy it right or don't get involved in it it's just that that's come out in quick succession and you now end up with a, a lot of stuff to focus on right again to go back to chris everything's priority nothing's priority so you be smart about when and how and where you you roll things out and do things and Less is more sometimes. Just focus on what you need to focus on and refine it, take feedback and and be specific. Don't just, what you can't do is like, be like, right, walkthroughs. Right, we've got that. Okay, coaching, brilliant. Let's chuck it. Let's chuck everything at it and go, hope it works, you know, and just try and ram it all together. Just, it's not going to work, right? Like, if the, your teachers will go, what? There's a thousand things here. Like, what are we doing here? Like, so... Be smart about your your implementation of it. Like, be think carefully about how you 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 pull it out. So we we only focused on several walkthroughs this year. We looked at cold calling, we looked at um, questioning, we looked at scaffolding, and we looked at um, positive behaviour. Uh, we started with behaviour because obviously that has a place to start at the beginning of the year, and we, and we focused on those. And one of the things we did again, like, was to have line of sight cards. So we created line of sight cards where our teachers have them in their classrooms, just on their desk in somewhere where they're teaching. They, they see it as a visual reminder with a little symbol and then just a, a bullet point that they create um, to have that autonomy and that, that, uh, that uh, ownership uh, of it. Um, just as a focus. And we talk about it all the time. And then in like, it could be in um, one of the little briefings or we do on Friday or the start of a staff meeting, we go, Right, quick revisit. So questioning, what are some of the key things that we, you know, and you the retrieval, retrieval with staff. And or, you know, and the next place I want to go with it is the culture of deliberate practice. Uh, I was listening to Peps talk about the um, the ECF on one of the step webinars. And we another thing we've done is we've moved our school to work with the the step teaching hub. Uh, they're going to be taking our ECTs through next year which I'm working with Matt Swain and, and, um, and Tom Gary and uh, Charlotte. It's very deeply, I'm, I'm jealous of our ECTs, to be quite honest with you, having access to such high quality training. Yeah, my induction mentor, uh, Jack, my, 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 uh, my head of QCH2, fantastic practitioner, fantastic leader. He's got all the right sort of minerals to, to, to lead. Uh, he's already looking at, you know, uh, the, at this deliberate practice model and, we were talking about it and going you said to me it's, you know it's, it's powerful isn't it and he's like you know like, how do you try things out together 
it's getting getting over that kind of like role play almost like oh god we've got to do this once you get past that and that becomes norms wow i mean that's going to be huge that's my next challenge that's my next challenge as a school is get that culture in um because then that's we can refine the walkthroughs more and i know as well i need to look at i know is it emma turner i want to say has linked the walkthroughs to the ecf am i right on that it would um, make sense because i think tom and emma do a lot of work together on the mind the gap podcast don't they so you know we can obviously check from the show notes you know i think um, the first thing that's come to mind here whenever you're saying about role play i think it's the fact that not all role play is um is made equal you know because you've got the imagine what it's like to be a space hopper while a child is sitting on it and then you've got something like delivered practice which is you know much more impactful potentially you know i think uh, i think that's the, the, that's the hurdle to get over with you know is this a good use of my time yeah, sorry for dropping. <laughs> Just it, it came to mind as you were saying that. No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you, you, you're dead right, and and it's about that meaningful deliberate practice, isn't it? And like you say, the role role play being the right role play, practicing things. Like say, we we try things out on the children, don't we? Like so much, you know, rather than actually trying things out beforehand. Like why do we use them as the guinea pig? I mean, that's you know. So to sort of summarize that, it's it's a you know, it's a fantastic resource. It's an important and powerful resource for schools to have a shared dialogue around the principles of the best principles of, of instruction and pedagogy. Be careful with domain specificity and with being too generic around too generic around the utility of the book. You know, be be sure to be thorough where, when you are applying it to subjects. And also be mindful that if you are going to go into coaching and use a coaching model and deliberate practice, do some reading, do some talking, read Josh Goodrich's stuff, talk to people, have a think about what that looks like because coaching is really complicated. <laughs> it's really not the magic bullet that sometimes it can be portrayed as. It's nuanced and it's... Um, complicated at times depending on the level of expertise of the person being coached or coaching i have a qualification in coach i have a, I have a level five uh, uh from the institute of leadership uh management qualification and i still still don't think i fully understand the best way to roll coaching out which is why i'm trying to be ever so cautious about how this happens yeah, so so that would be my my advice. Absolutely use it. It's a fantastic resource. Use it with caution. It's not just like the answer to all your prayers. Then there we go. This is finished. What it is is a massive support to you with your curriculum development and your teaching and learning development in your school. I sort of landed on a, on a coaching model quite early in my career. You know, as and sort of I developed that over number of years and one of my schools that we were talking about you know they've really enjoyed the fact that that's the model i've been taking in their in developing their teachers and what happens you know say in four or five years time when i'm not around do we have the coaching knowledge to to keep you know the progress of the school going forward and and i said to them we were walkthroughs came up naturally in the conversation i said to them i, I think for our inexperienced coaches 
it gives them a model and a, and a framework within which to operate until they've refined their skills. Have you done anything with your, for instance, your middle leaders or your more experienced teachers who want to develop their coaching? Have you done anything to sort of formalize that this year? No, we haven't actually gone to that point yet because we, again, when you're sort of at that, it was something that I, I'm, I am sort of keen to do, but weary. I was weary this year of of not overloading, and I think that's a really important point um, to consider. So yeah, no, I didn't. Um, I haven't done anything specifically formal with them, but it's it's that the principles of coaching and instructional coaching stuff are tremendous, uh, well documented. I think it's something that. I want to do it right. I don't want to rush it. I want to make sure that staff have enough of a, of a lead into this one. This is not a one I'm pacing through quickly because I really think it can go wrong. And, and if you get it wrong, I feel like this stack can be enormously damaging for this sort of thing because, because it is such a it can be such a massively in, in powerful tool. And you know, and and thing to to embed into the culture of your school. Once you get it wrong, repairing it for me seems like it would be a daunting thing. So, I'm very cautious with it about how to do this right, slowly, steadily building a trust from staff. And the first place, like I said, to do that is through deliberate practice. That's the first place for me. Is like we start with that deliberate practice, getting comfortable at that with each other. We build coaching from there because then there's that thing of like okay there's a trust here because it's massively massively reliant on trust that whole process built on a, like on on a bed of trust if you don't have it people don't trust it don't feel like they can talk openly or talk in a way which will ultimately lead them to improve you you're wasting time so yeah 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 no haven't done it but very much excited about it but weary yeah that's fair that, that was just an off the cuff question that wasn't only list of questions i sent you it's just really interesting just want to see what you've done with regards mm. to that you know and i think i reckon you know tom sharon talks about lethal mutations quite a bit i reckon he'd be on board with the advice here sort of given in terms of how you your experience of implementation has gone this year i find it very difficult to believe that you know he wouldn't be nodding along and actually what what i fancy doing is asking him and ollie to come on with some teachers who have implemented in their school and really you know get under the skin of how this looks in primary you know so if he happens to listen and i haven't reached out you know then he should be expecting a, <laughs> a message pretty soon uh, that's something i would love to a be a part of b listen to because i think i'd love to learn from others and learn from them as well about implementation because that's the bit that is quite important i think um like you say with limitations um it's very very important to get that that right and I, i'm not saying that i've got it right by any stretch i think we've done some good things but you never really know, do you? <laughs> you know, you never really, really know until, you know, years down the line when, when things sort of get really bad and start to have a big impact. Though. So if you had to condense your approach to leadership into a, a set of guiding principles, what would they be? Okay, so I would say, and this is kind of working, again, done a, 
taken a lot of advice from Matt Swain as well. Uh, he's helped me enormously. I'm a debt of gratitude as well this year with how to go about things and to try things and to, to be courageous. And I had this conversation with him months ago. It's all about leverage. It's all about levers and about what levers you pull. What's the highest leverage that is going to have that impact that shifts things? There are three levers you can pull in schools and you kind of pull them at different rates. And this is how Matt explained it to me. is like, it's curriculum, CPD, and it's teaching and learning. And those three levers, how, when you, how you pull them and when you pull them and what wouldn't you pull at the same time and how much you pull them, that's what leadership's about. Like, it's about those things. So getting that balance right, getting, that, getting those balance of what levers to pull at what points to create the highest leverage so that you move things whilst also being aware of pace of change and aware of your context and your staff. What does it look like? Is this a young professionals inner city London school where you have young teachers ready to hungry for or are we going to a leafy suburban school where you have teachers with very established teachers been a long time with families and who have very different lives to those that, that I described in the previous school? Those things are massive. You have to consider them when you're doing school improvement. Like you can't not consider those things. So you get all of the structures, all of the systems in place, but those systems and structures and things that you do will only work with the buy-in from the staff that you're working with. Again, it comes back to building trust, building and empowering staff to be able to engage with that, engage with those systems, engage with deliberate practice, engage with coaching and with, you know, reading, professional reading, all those sorts of things you want them to do. Well, necessarily, it's not just going to happen to a busy, skilled, experienced teacher who can always get better because we can always get better, might not want to get better, happy with a lot, busy, family life, whatever. You know, how then, what, it's, that's the nuance of like, what, 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 what do you do then? And for me, the, the principle would be to, to build a trust there through dialogue, through the culture you develop in your school for improvement, improving, not proving. It has to stem from that. It has to stem from that low stakes, but high improvement model. Like, it, you know, it, it can't. So, and, and, then, and then it's which levers do you pull then to do that? So which order, to, which one are you going to pull next to, to leverage that bit and to leverage this bit and to bring those teachers on? What do they need next? What do we need to pull? What do we need to look at? You know, what, what, and it's a constant look at those, pulling those levers all the time and going, right, this, we need to leverage that now. now and the way to do that is by having a really open culture, having a, a trusting staff that you need to build through avoiding fear culture, avoiding toxicity, avoiding flippancy and, and reaction, reactive behavior. Reactive behavior and responsive behavior are very different. You know, and we want to be responsive, not reactive. Um, we don't want to snapping into decisions because, oh, you know, we want to be looking at the, what, what's coming in and going, right, okay. Yeah, my gut is to go, Whoa, but actually 
hang on, step back. What do we need? Let's talk. Right, and then be be sensible. And there are pinch points in times in, in school improvement and times of the year where you get, you do have to sometimes be, you do have to be directive at times. You do, you do have to direct sometimes. There are times where, as a leader, you need to do that because things are just the way they are. And it's not, you know, in an ideal world, we would try and avoid it, but you can't. There are times, there are things that you just have to go, well, that has to happen. So we're going to do that. And yeah, we can reflect on it later down the line, but now that just has to happen. And it's going to annoy people, some people. Right? You can't be a yes man as a deputy head. You, ca you can't, like, you're not going to please everybody all the time. And I know this is it's cliche. What I'm saying here is cliche. And I know it's been said before, you know, but it is worth saying again because it's so easy to slip into that trap of like, yeah, yeah, we'll sort that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you're saying, yeah, yeah, we'll sort that out to everybody, then you're not going to sort it out because you, you'll pull all through it. You'll pull all the levers at once and it's not going to be chaos, right? You've got to think about, what is that? What's going to leverage that thing? What is going to do it? So we, in our school, we do something called theme walks where we, we do, we, they're not, we, I don't call, we do want to call them learning walks because we want to call them theme walks where they have themes. We look for themes. We look for things. We walk a lot. We walk a lot. We just walk all the time. And we agree on principles like, for example, we don't take notepads into classrooms we walk with all different leaders and all different teachers. Um, we, we, when we go into classrooms, we smile. We don't point. We don't whisper. We, we go in, we observe, we talk to children. We are respectful. We come out. Then we make our notes to try and help teachers feel like it's not, you know, uh, I'm coming in to, you know, come down on you or make cast these big judgments. We will look, we, we will look for things and see what we spot. And we may pick up like, okay, well, hang on. We've got a little bit of a, seems to be a little bit of a, you know, the routines are a little bit slack in here, the, the entries or whatever it is, the classrooms, or, or there's a little issue with, you know, the questioning in math seems to be a little bit off, you know, there seems to be a little bit, people aren't probing deep enough or having, you know, being explicit enough with the modeling of reasoning or, you know, whatever it is that, that might come from a theme walk, if it's a maths theme walk going out, you know, that, that looks, looks for those themes and what they pick up. We then come back and we sit down and we go, right, uh, what, what you know what level is this how how immediate is it like what is this something that is it needs immediate attention is it is it immediate is it medium term or is it long term what what is the we categorize the, the each of the themes and then we go to the next step which is like okay so once we categorize those themes okay it's a, it's an immediate thing we need to leverage something what's the highest leverage what's the thing that can have the biggest impact on this immediately so okay maybe a message goes out or in briefing on a friday we need to do a little something or we adapt our cpd that week for our, our staff meeting and we build in something to address the thing that is urgent and needs it may be something like that the reasoning one that i just said that's not an urgent urgent thing you're not going to solve that overnight that's going to take a writing of professional development and the delivery of, of, of something into the as a responsive model it's a responsive model right and it goes okay we put that onto our strategic plan as uh build it into the cpd program here it's going to be picked up some deliberate practice next year that's the best they have you know we practice modeling out some some reasoning and what have you and and then we go again we and then what the, and then the next thing and this is the big thing is we walk again we then walk again we walk all the time, we walk again, and we have a good handle on 
what we've leveraged, what we've expected to see, what we're coming back to, and we're keeping a track all the time on themes that are coming up and what we've done CPD to it. We record it in a document and just we have it open every SLT meeting and we go, right, what, where, where, where are we at? We leveraged that, we went out, we saw that. That's better. That's looking better. Yeah, we see the yeah, we uh, so and so went out and we we walked and we saw that was better, and it's quite it's constant. It's a constant rolling cycle of improvement. So there's no that it's responsive and it's not like set out. We set some stuff out across, it, but we keep then space in our CPD program to to do that. So their levers being pulled all the time. There, you know, something on a curriculum that that needs to be pulled. Um, or, you know, one of them's a. Um, actually, we've spotted that in the reading here, the texts aren't broad enough for blah, 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 blah. That's a curriculum lever. So we need to pull that, right? So that, that's a long-term goal. We'll put that on the thing. We're building time in English leader. Oh, it's, hang on. It's it's a re- immediate, like the routines aren't sharp enough in the morning. We're losing time from children coming from the playground to the, and it's sloppy and we need to sort that out. Okay, well, that's an instant, immediate directive sort of thing where we go, right, okay, hang on. It's not done in a punitive way. It's done in a, right, okay, we noticed this. Can we all focus on this next week? We'll walk again next week to check how everybody's getting on with it. Okay, so-and-so is still struggling with it. You need some support. We can help you practice some of these routines with children. I'll model it for you. We'll model it. We'll talk about entry routines. Yeah, bang, that's that lever pulled. So, uh, again, that probably coming from teaching and learning, that's that lever pulled there, you know, and it's pulled quite hard, you know. Or is this, is this a, like you say, is this a CPD? Thing. Is this something that actually teachers need some support with scaffolding or questioning or something? That, and, that, and actually, it's a long-term CPD project. That And then two levers pulled at once then, because that's then teaching and learning and CPD. So it's about pulling these levers all the time and the right balance of how much you pull them, when to pull them. Um, and ultimately, the by pulling the levers, you leverage improvement. You leverage improvement. And you do it in a measured way. You do it in a way which balances immediate, medium term, long term, and it's just constantly rolling and constantly reflective. So that's kind of the model. And, I, and again, I prep all credit there to Matt Swain on that because it's, I take no credit for that at all. Uh, all I've done is used his model uh, and made it made it so where well, I know they they do a similar thing in step step academies, and it's been massively powerful for us shifting that culture away from uh like silly observations that just don't end up improving anything and actually taking that away from teachers and actually just teachers having that open door policy and a culture in school where you where you can do that so i would say that they they that they're some of our principles that we work off those levers that leverage leverages it's all about leverages and be strategic be consistent and listen listen to your staff like otherwise otherwise you know it it won't work if you do it blindly and you just you ramrod and stuff then you'll end up losing losing the will of the staff losing that support which is like i say losing the trust losing the trust that the, the bed of trust that everything has to sell i think that's a really powerful model seeing what can happen when teachers view those walks as a force for good rather than a stick that they will eventually be beaten with you know makes a massive difference you know i mean a lot of the stuff there you're, you're describing calls from my playbook you know like the notebook in the back pocket make your notes because my memory is shocking i need to write down 
you know, episodic memory particularly. Um, I need to write that stuff down pretty quickly or I'll, it'll, it'll just go into the, the mess that is my head. Removing yourself from the accountability process. And this is something that's going to help you become a better teacher. You know, you get to the point where eventually people want that to happen. You know, come and see this. What, what does that look like with this? When you teach with me, you know, those are the kind of requests you get when you have established that this is something that is positive. This is something that will not be used against you. You know, and I, and I think people re-engage really that. And, you know, if we think about the observation model and the intense dread that some people can feel when they've got that high pressure, you know, one-off observation, I think the, the difference and the potential is massive. You know, it, it, can't be, it can't be overstated how strong an approach and how sensible an approach you guys are taking. You know, so that makes a lot of sense. And um, so we, we may have covered the next bit, but what have you learned in your first year as deputy head? Right, I'll keep this relatively short, like I say, because we have touched on quite a lot of, of things that I've learned. <laughs> um, again, the first thing, you're new to deputy headship, depending if you're new to the school or if you're new to coming to deputy headship within a school, because that's different as well. That's uh, like, I, I used to a new setting, so... But often it can be in, in a school that you step up to a deputy headship, which I think is probably harder. I actually think that's probably more challenging because things are more embedded. You've been seen in a certain way, and you know, now you've got to be seen in a different way. And I think actually, I can't speak from experience on that. I could only, again, I'm only making an observation here that that might be more, more difficult. However, what I will say is I think this is still applicable to, to that scenario. You, you are going to need to support stuff that you won't like. <laughs> You're going to need to support support some stuff for a while that you like, I, we, we need to change that, right? But you've got to go with it and you've got to nod along and you've got to say, yeah, yeah, great. And offer that support and you've got to, because you, you've got to, you've got to build trust. You've got to build a trust and you've got to build relationships with staff from that, from that position. To build that from that, from your new role. And, and that, because everything... Uh, not everything. Most things work on a tr on a trust basis. Work on a relationship basis. Work on a fact that your staff go, yeah, all right, I'll go that. You know, because they see you and they go, yeah, he's going to help me out. He's going to he's got my back if things go wrong, and I know I can come and talk to him if if I'm struggling with something. They've got to think that. No, it doesn't happen. You you're not going to turn it just turn up and get that, or you're not just going to step into a role in your school. It's different from what you previously were. And all of a sudden that is there. It may be there more so in a, in a, in a, if you are in a school because people know you already. So that might be the case, but then it can work opposite. So you may have established relationships with people. People go, in the past, this happened. So I'm going to hold this against you. <laughs> you know? so, so there's probably that element as well to deal with, which is another, another, you know, another uh, challenge. But yeah, support, firstly, support stuff that you might not like for a bit and then take your time with change, which takes me on to my second point, which is change management, um, it's vital. Change management is, is the biggest, being the biggest learning curve for me this year. And I think as a, as a, as a deputy head, if you're coming into that, be mindful. If you haven't been uh, sort of exposed to much change, like as in you enacting change, big changes on staff, be mindful that that is 
as humans, we don't like change. We like routine. We like our structures. We like things to be the way they are. So when you start going to people, don't do that anymore. Do this. Well, we're not doing that anymore. Do this. People go, ooh. You know, there's that natural, natural thing in people going, what do you mean? Well, I've got to read all the resources. What? I've got to replan all that. I've got to, you know, anything. And that's where they go. That's where they just go straight away in their mind. I did. I still do to an extent, right? It's like, what? Oh, hang on. We've got to rewrite all that. We've got to read it. So be careful and mindful about the pace of change and what you do. Now, I can't say this is the pace of change because every context, every school is different. Every journey that schools are on is different. So certain schools will need, you know, faster pace because of the, the, the situation. Others won't need that pace. You can slowly, slowly do things and roll things out, win the buy-in. Um, and I think to do that, you need to, one thing that I found quite powerful is teams. So working parties and teams and things. Get people on board. So go and speak to people and empower them and say, you're you're a fantastic practitioner and you just thought, can you help me? We're trying, we're going to try this. And that's how that so Chris is reading how we rolled it out. We created a working party for reading. And I just approached some teachers who'd shown interest talking about Chris's book because we shared it obviously with staff talking about his book and sort of speaking to them and do, do you find that interesting and having conversations I kind of knew straight away the people who were engaging with it from those one percent tactics that I talked about earlier and I went right I'm going to talk to them them them, them. guys do you want to should we get together we're, we're looking you guys are spot on with x y and z would love your expertise love your help in starting to try out and test out and sort of stress test some stuff with there is this sound you know and people are like yeah yeah okay okay and then give them time give them some time out of class give them give them some release get them to you know get them to come back get them to see each other and that's how we did it and basically it grew to the point where i had tas knocking on my door going ah yeah there's a book um there is literally that is how much that permeated across our our place and we we all understand it we all understand the vision of it the end of the you know so i would say that look at working parties look at tapping into the people who are keen and getting them on board and get them to lead i then got them to lead things them to lead the cpd them to lead, not me because no, if it's just me me that's the thing i'll be careful of you're a deputy, me, 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 blah, 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 blah. It's just constant, you know, oh, another thing from the deputy. No, if, if you've got other things to come, which you will have, get other people to, to, to introduce them because that that in itself distributes it a bit and it's then not just one constant machine that's, you know. So that, that will be my second point. So change management is vital. And I would say, thirdly, listen and be reflective. Sometimes daggers in the heart, truth hurts, right? You know, when you, you know, you pose questionnaires out, you read them, <laughs> cry in my office, uh, into my flat line. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, but no, 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 listen, 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 be reflective. Like you have to do that with your staff because it gives staff a sense of autonomy. It gives them a sense of place in your school. So make sure everybody has a voice as well. Now, what I will say about that as part of that listening process, 
is giving people's advice. How is everybody hid in your in your shaft and structures? What is it? What are the acoustics? What are the structural acoustics? What I'll say is we have we're very open, we're very distributed, we have big meetings where we have people in and we, we all talk around a table. Balance the structural acoustics with productivity. Because yes, give people make sure your structural acoustics are balanced, make sure that everybody's here. If everybody's here and everybody's just giving every their two pennies, nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. It then ends up being this collaborative oh, mess and everyone's stressed out and there's, there's too many voices. So how your job as a steward in that role, as a de new deputy head, is to guide and balance the structural acoustics within your meetings and in your building making sure that people are heard, but are not drowned out or overpowered, but also not doing the drowning out or overpowering. And to make sure that the balance in the, the balance in the mix, if you will, the sound mix is right. And you're kind of at the mixing desk going, right, okay, what do we need to push up? What do we need to bring down? What do we need to, but you're making sure that all the mics are plugged in. That's key. Support stuff that's not necessarily, you're not happy with, Manage your change, use those teams and bit by get people buy-in. Listen and balance out those structural acoustics. Get behind that mixing desk, plug those mics in and make sure everything is nice and balanced. I think that's really good advice for anyone who's aspiring to be a deputy head teacher out there. You know, if I'd known that stuff when I first became a deputy, then I think I would have sort of fit into the, the role a lot more easily, you know. It's, it's it's a hard balance to find being a deputy head teacher. You know, I think if I look back on my time, I tried to separate myself from the staff too much, you know, because I've got my personality and then I've got my school leader personality. And it was only really realizing that I wasn't showing enough of myself and wasn't, you know, there wasn't enough to invest in that I've been able to over the last four years really strike that balance. You know, I, I think, you know, almost I don't want to say perfectly but I, I don't think I don't think I can improve on the sort of relationships I've built you know they're pretty strong relationships but I, it was because of realizing how difficult that balance is to strike because I'd gone like I said gone into the situation where I wanted to be seen as the you know a sensible and you know hardworking, but you need to give some of you over as well I think you know so I think aspiring deputies will find that really useful so I think the last thing to talk about then, Lloyd, is you're speaking at Research Ed Surrey this term, I think. Tell, me, right, about yeah. your, tell me about your session. So I'm actually speaking with Matt, with Matt Swain. We're doing a joint session on leadership, on school improvement. So, oh, well, I'll, I'll read the blurb blur out for you. So sort of what, <laughs> I think I just, that's easiest, you know, to sort of explain and I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit, obviously. So... Effective primary school improvement can be influenced by three levers, teaching, learning, CPD and curriculum. Uh, with an inclusive whole school exploration and identification of themes, uh, it's possible to promote effective salient improvements that drive rigour and standards, whilst empowering teachers to be the best they can be. Through a lens of leverage, we will explore a practical approach that demonstrates just how responsiveness can enable powerful change so we're going to tap into some of the ideas i talked about earlier refine them a little bit go into a little bit deeper a little bit more depth and uh talk a bit more about how change change managing people nudge all these sorts of things matt will talk uh, from his extensive 
expertise. Excellent. Well, I think anyone who's listened to this will be trying their very best to go and see that session. You know, I'm definitely going to be there, you know, because I want to hear more about your, your, your combined approach to leadership, because, you know, from what I've heard today, you know, it, it, it seems really powerful, really practical, and I think will be of immense value to lots of teachers. So I think all I said is, Lloyd, thank you very much for joining us once again. I was very keen that, you know, we didn't really know what the podcast was when we did that pilot. We were just sort of <laughs> having a conversation, you know, and so I was very keen to bring you back in to give you a, a sort of proper shot, so to speak. Um, but it's, it's been fascinating from start to finish. And, you know, I, I reckon we'll definitely catch up on the post-season three chats as we as we go forward, you know, into what will, you know, towards 2022. But yeah, yeah thank you very much, Lloyd. No, thank you again, as always. Absolute pleasure to be part of Tadape. And um, yeah, it's, it's just lovely to talk about something I'm so passionate about and to have an opportunity to be on such a special podcast, really. I really genuinely am grateful. And to have been yeah, the very first uh, and invited back again is, is, is humbling. So um, yeah, thank you. Do you want to sing the theme tune? <laughs>